Nope. Hello, 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 and welcome to another fantastic episode of Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion. Before we get started, let me first remind you that we are covered by the BIPCOT No Government License, which allows for the use and reuse of this podcast by anyone and everyone except for governments and the bludgies thereof. You can learn more about that at BIPCOT.org. That is B-I-P-C-O-T dot O-R-G. We're also protected by Brandenburg v. Ohio 1969, which ruled that the government cannot punish inflammatory speech unless that speech is, quote, directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such action. Therefore, everything we say here on Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion is entirely, entirely, especially for this episode, entirely yeah, just... <laughs> hypothetical. This episode, we are really going to be uh, emphasizing this is covered <laughs> in Brandenburg. <laughs> we're literally in Minecraft right now. We're all wearing VR headsets. We're in Minecraft. Christopher's punching trees. We're... <laughs> <laughs> Minecrafting this episode, but they're uh, all getting followed by cows for no apparent reason. They're all black. <laughs> Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay's she plays Minecraft. She's always complaining about that. That like, why is this cow following me? Go away! Go away! Why do you like me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're supposed so. to tell it. Just kill it. Need it. I mean, that's what it's there for. Oh. So for this episode, we are, uh, today is the anniversary of the initial raid on the, um, Waco compound. So we will be talking about that and then we will try to lighten up as usual, get some laughs, talk some property rights, a few other things. But before we get started, we need a patch check. Patch check. Let's see. Andrew's got the Wolverines. Wins. Christopher I has the, the ticket Valhalla admit one. I'm wearing a, a killdozer. So I guess we're all appropriate for tonight, but yeah, I got my Boogalorian t shirt. I got my uh Boba got Fett Boog sweatshirt on. I have San Francisco Giants because I'm a baseball fan. <laughs> the hell? Come on, it's not even baseball season. I yet. have it has been sore. It's 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 preseason. It's preseason, and the Giants did play their first preseason game today. And I am fighting so hard to not check the score, but it is <laughs> shown later on MLB Network, and I will watch it. And I will stay up late just to watch it. <laughs> but it's been so hard not to check the score. You know, I don't mind watching baseball in person, but watching it on TV to me is akin to watching golf. Well, I I played. I played baseball. I played. I did the, too. I just, but still, no, I. I I played into high school like it was my thing. So, You're truly like, a baseball player. Yes. Yeah. See, I'm I'm a Red Sox fan, and that's as far as my interest in baseball that's goes. Boston, Boston Irish, Irish. Yep. I mean, uh, I I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved baseball, especially back in the early '90s. But after the strike, I was like, eh, no, fuck that. I'm done. No. <sighs> but. On that note, we have to read. We have to do this post first, and then we, uh, I, I know. <laughs> we're uh, already we, we discussed it before we started, you guys. We, we were already talking about how we could feel the anger building, knowing what we're going to talk about. 
So well, and you know, and the thing is, this post is, I mean, it's by, it's they the do FBI. This, they do this it, every, or the, the ATF. Or the ATF, sorry. The ATF. This and is they the do ATF. it, yeah, they do it they every do it goddamn year. Every goddamn year on February 28th, they do the stupid post, and it says, quote, we remember the fallen agents, Special Agent Conway LeBeau, Special Agent Todd McKeening, Special Agent Robin, Robert Williams, and Special Agent Steve Willis, who made the ultimate sacrifice while trying to execute a search warrant. And then they give you a link to a ATF file on the, the Waco compound. But and, and this particular one, so this is posted today, 11 hours ago as of this, and it's like seven and a half thousand reacts and a laugh is the, the top reaction, <laughs> which is nice. <laughs> Brandenburg. <laughs> 70, 7,100 shares um, and just a shit ton of comments. And there are literally no positive comments. That's that actually I, surprising. That I, I, I can see that. I scroll down and yeah. There's almost... There's always well, there's like, at least one. Yeah, there's usually a few that are like, oh, well, they were just doing their jobs. Okay, and... okay here, here's one. Here's one. Here's one. This is uh, uh, so much hate towards ATF on here. Many, many of the same people that claim they, quote, back the blue, don't agree with gun laws. Lobby your representatives to change them or sue in court to overturn them. They're law just enforcement vote officers. harder, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they're law enforcement officers doing their job. They deserve uh. our thanks. <laughs> They and deserve then, they deserve hot lead between the fucking eyeballs. And I mean Minecraft. Are and you there's, getting like there's this? Three, there's 363 comments on that comment and uh 1.8 or 1.8 thousand reacts, and the top one is the laugh react. <laughs> yeah, because everyone's like, yep, there's a freaking I mean, those are the kinds of people who will get into the boxcars and be like, well, as long as it's legal. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and the whole way there, you know, crammed in there like sardines. They'll be like, well, they just, you know, we're supposed to just do what they say and follow the rules. And then it'll all be okay. They're just doing their jobs. Don't hate the guards. The they're just doing their jobs. <laughs> Why do these people have to die? Machine guns? Legal if they paid you a, if they paid you a two hundred dollar tax stamp. Grenade launchers. You're also okay so long as you have a two hundred dollar tax stamp. Yeah, and that's and they were as far as I know, they everything they did was in fact within the law. Yeah. yeah. All of the weapons like, that they had were within at least anything that they were able to recover after the raging fucking inferno. But yeah, as far as anybody is aware, everything that they had was perfectly legal. And these people are still I mean, it's you're always gonna have, and that's the thing, is you gotta remember is you're always gonna have a few people, oh. no matter how nasty what Ouch. the government does, who go, well, but it's the government, so it must be okay. 75 bodies, or asterisk, 75 bodies have left the chat. Oh. Ooh. Ouch. Well done, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, well done. <laughs> oh. My hat's off to you. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I mean, that's Jesus. That's yeah, stone-cold that's... savagery right there. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I don't. I don't see any. I don't see any other positive ones. There's that one. Let's see. Oh, my favorite part is when you drove the tank into the stairs, then use the flamethrower on your way out, burning everyone to death. 
<sighs> yeah. Uh, this is a parody page, right? <laughs> Blue checkmark parody page. Are you going to do a post on Ruby Ridge next? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they will. They they will. They the will. Marshals, they will. The marshals yeah, will do will. one to, about William Deegan. Oh, not William Duncan. Um, no, yeah, something like that. Oh, okay. I'm done scrolling those comments. That was painful. But we are. Um, I, I think we went over this last year, and we went over it in pretty deep detail about just how fucked that whole situation was. And I mean, I don't yeah, think and, we need to rehash it again. But well, we don't. We don't. I, I don't want to cover the whole thing because that would just that would take up the entire episode, and then would, some. It would stress me into a hard. I'd have to go to the hospital, and and I don't want to do that. So, but we're just gonna we're just gonna cover the, uh, um, the initial reason, like the initial kind of thing about it, and then like in fifty one days, um, on the the anniversary of the actual massacre. Raid. Yeah, we'll cover it then. Um, let's see. So this is this is an article from. Let's see. Okay, yeah, it only goes. It's only like three or four paragraphs. So this is this is actually uh, uh, written on uh, WacoHistory.org. So I have I have no idea who runs this site or whatever, but um, it was just a really simple breakdown of what happened on that first day, or the the, the running up to that first day and then the first day. So, um, so this article says. Um, for more, for most of their history, the Davidians and later the Branch Davidians had lived in isolation in the Waco community as a city with deep religious roots. Branch Davidians were generally accepted and allowed to practice their religious beliefs without interference. The group had garnered some attention from the local media in 1987 due to a shootout at the Mount Carmel Center, but five years later, the Branch Davidians were thrust into the national spotlight. Vernon Howell, who had changed his name to David Koresh in 1990, had assumed leadership of the Branch Davidians and increasingly incorporated radical ideas into, into his messages. He claimed that God had instructed him to build an army of God to prepare for the end of days and encouraged a stockpile of ammunition and weapons. Which is not unheard there's of. Nothing, nothing illegal about that. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing illegal about any of that. And if you truly believe... That that's what's occurred. If you truly believe that God himself has spoken to you and told you you need mm-hmm. to do this, it is entirely reasonable to then do it. Yeah, it's also entirely constitutional. I mean, if we if you if we're gonna have that route, I mean, yeah, I mean, if if you're gonna weigh the laws of the land, so to speak, against their actions, nothing necessarily untoward in that regard mm-hmm. i mean all there was it was religious freedom it was second amendment freedom i mean well and keep in mind that they were sending in i mean they were monitoring these people for for a very long time prior to this um they were doing warrantless surveillance of them because well, they, they knew well yeah they were the the atf was shacked up at that at the house at the edge of the compound yep mm-hmm. right they, i mean they I mean, if, if you watch the documentary, they, um, the the Netflix documentary, which is really really good, by the way, um, 
Yeah, I thought it was really good. They um they 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 saw David almost daily. They some one of the some of the guys ran with him. They went shooting with David Koresh. The mm-hmm. eight the undercover ATF agents standing next to David Koresh while David Koresh has a firearm, recreationally mm-hmm. shooting at at their little range. And they didn't they didn't arrest him at that moment. Yeah, and he was firing. He, if, if memory serves, like he was actually firing the weapons that they were selling. Yeah. Um, and because remember, yeah. you, you got to remember the Branch Davidians weren't just collecting weapons. That wasn't what they were doing. They were actually dealing with, uh, with weapons where they were um, buying weapons and then selling them at gun shows. Open yeah, gun shows. Yeah. Like none of this, none of this was being shady. They were because everything that they were, in fact, engaging in was legal. They were going to gun shows openly and selling guns and buying which, guns, which at the time in most states. You know, individual sales are completely illegal. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and there's there you could make the argument technically, what they were doing was a violation of the the NFA because they didn't have an FFL and they were engaged in the business of buying and selling firearms. And there's that's an argument that could be made, but even that doesn't hold a whole lot of water. Yeah, is murky. Yeah. At best, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, it's not one that you're going to get to stick. I mean, it might be something, something that you bring them in on, but it's not one that you're going to get to stick simply because one, you'd have to prove it in a court in Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. and in a court, a court in Texas that has you know a, a state that's already been up in arms over the Hughes Amendment as you know as part of uh, FOPA. So right. you're. <laughs> You're probably not going to win that. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, that's it's, not going to um, go well for you. So, uh, back to the article. Uh, on a routine delivery to the compound in 1992, local US represent- or UPS representative Larry Gilbreth discovered firearms, inert grenade casings, and black powder in a broken package. So inert grenade casings, right? We're, we're talking about just the the outer shell without the, 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 the primer and igniter, right? Yep. Yeah, it's, which, it's... I, which I can buy at my local my local military surplus store. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. It's, like, it's like the, um, uh, the, the J dam tubes, right? Like one time use type thing. You mean, not, not, yeah, the, the AT4 AT4 I, w- I yeah. wish I could get my hands on a J dam. Yeah. Case. The, the, like, the, the AT four tubes, which, which people <laughs> are like, Oh my God, it's a rocket or, launcher. No, or it's, even the M 72. I mean, well, there's over my shoulder is an 80 to 88 millimeter tank round. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's inert. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's not going to do anything. That's the thing, though, is like the you that has happened multiple times where people had fake, you know, fake grenades because all they are is just a metal ball. Mm-hmm. Assuming it's an M68, it's just a metal ball. And that's that's not going to do anything. It's just a, it's a cast iron ball. And that's all it is. I mean, I have actually once at a flea market, I discovered that somebody had a World War Two pineapple grenade that was not inert. Sitting in their box. There was one one sold at a at a at a pawn shop in New Jersey like last month or something too. (laughs) Yeah, I discovered it because I was like, oh cool, and I picked it up and then realized that there's no hole in it. There's nothing that's made it inert. And I'm like, um Uh, dude, uh, I'm about to Minecraft all of us. <laughs> like, well, I, I set it down super, super carefully, and I'm like, dude, you should actually probably call someone to dispose of that because that's a 70 year old 
explosive device <laughs> that's just been sitting in a garage and like you can see rust on the outside and i'm oh, like no uh, yeah i'm like uh can, can we do something about that because that's gonna kill somebody <laughs> it's At just gonna one. go off yeah like um i wouldn't and he's like oh yeah i just tossed he had brought everything like in his pickup truck bed so this is like just in a box with a bunch of metal shit bouncing along down the road to get there <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, he. We wound up. I did actually. That was one. That was before I was an anarchist. But two, I we did have like that's just a safety thing. Like that's just a terrifying, yeah, yeah. terrifying yeah. thing. So we had to do even if even if that even, the, even if you were an anarchist at the time, you're still gonna be like, come on now. No. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. This seriously, this thing is really fucking dangerous. Yeah. Like I'm, if this I'm gonna, goes I'm gonna, off, I'm gonna go over there. Yeah, I well, that's basically what I did. Like, I set it down. I'm like, so we're. I I think everybody should maybe just like not not be right here for a while. Um, and we're gonna about, about ten meters. Yeah, if we could all <laughs> all just back away calmly. Don't panic. It's it's okay. I mean, it hasn't gone off yet, but uh, <laughs> quit so they... kicking the table, Christopher. Yeah. No. What are you playing? About? Let's play hot potato. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, but, think fast. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, though, is like if it's if you have an inert grenade, it, it it isn't dangerous like that. That was dangerous because it wasn't inert. If it is inert, it's just a cast iron ball. It is a hollow cast iron ball. Yeah. So all right. Uh, routine delivery. I, I have one of those on my desk at work. Uh, with the pin has the yeah. one on it that says yeah, the, the, it, complaint yeah, department. Uh, complaint department, take one. I see those, yeah. see those all over the place. I'm surprised um, my employer hasn't told me I, that I have to get rid of it. But eh. Firearms, inert grenade casings, a black powder, and a broken package. Uh, Gilbreth contacted authorities, and in May, uh, Chief Deputy Daniel Weinberg of the of McClellan County Sheriff's Department contacted the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. A formal investigation was launched in June of that year, and the ATF began surveillance from a house across the road from the Mar Mount Carmel Center. Yeah. Uh, the ATF uh, obtained search and arrest warrants for Koresh and other followers on weapons charges, noting that many firearms the group had are noting that or noting the many firearms the group had accumulated. The ATF originally planned to raid Mount Carmel on Monday, uh, March 1st, 1993, using the code name Showtime. The date was changed to February 28th in response to a Waco Tribune Herald series on Koresh which the ATF had tried to prevent from being published. Any advantage of the surprise was lost early in the morning, early that morning when a KWTV or KWTX TV reporter who had been tipped off about the raid asked a mail carrier for directions who was actually Koresh's brother-in-law. <laughs> yep. Yep. <clears throat> yep. And that's, they show that in the Netflix series uh, that happening yep. and then him showing up and being like, dude, uh, FYI. Um, but you got to remember, again, the warrant cites how many guns they had. It never says that any of these guns were illegal. It just says they had an awful lot of guns. And I can almost guarantee you that there are a few people that we all know that have more guns <laughs> in their possession than the Branch Davidians had. Why do I suddenly feel personally attacked? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, let's see. The mail carrier uh, was Crush's brother-in-law, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the ATF commander ordered the raid to move forward, despite being informed that the branch divisions were aware of the raid. Uh, aware that the ATF agents were coming. Uh, at 9.45 a.m., a gun battle began. ATF agents uh, stated that they heard shots coming from within the compound, while the Branch Davidian survivors claimed uh, the first shots came from the ATF agents outside. Yeah, um, what's his uh, face? Um, the, the literally, it's, it's literally like the most disputed fact of, the, of this whole Waco situation is who fired first. Um, there is argument that the ATF agents fired first when they shot the dogs that were outside. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, that well, would that would fit their mo. Yeah, the, the ATF. I love that that picture. Of the ATF. The the meme with the ATF uh, practicing, and it's it's just, all of the targets are dogs that are dogs. hanging there. <laughs> but it's. Um, I mean, but that's according to Thibodeau, right? David, David Thibodeau is the the kind of the lone survivor. Um, yeah, and he's um, two. He, he he has he has a fantastic two part series with um, Pete Kionas on uh, Free Man Beyond the Wall. Yeah, I was uh, just gonna bring that yeah. up. He actually was on his podcast and like yeah. and listening to him talk. If you ever want to be so mad and your heart to hurt so much that you're crying in your car, listen to that story as he tells it because it is the most heartbreaking thing. I can imagine watching your friends all die in front of you, like just constantly getting shot and then all burned to death at the end. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really horrific, but yeah, like he even talks about the fact that the first thing that happened is as the ATF surrounds the building that Koresh goes out when the ATF starts shooting at them with no reason and yells, you know, we have women and children in there. And then they start firing at him. Like yeah, because his... Crash, Crash was was coming out the door, coming out the front door or something like that. And then um, they actually they, they showed like pictures of the front door, and it's just written the the door and the door frame is just absolutely riddled with bullets. Yeah, yeah. they just unloaded. He comes out and, to say, and when hey, you look wait. at yeah, and when you look at those pictures, you can tell that those are not outgoing rounds. Yeah, those are all incoming. Those are yeah. all incoming. But I mean, that's the thing is like. He his response initially is the ATF starts firing on them unprovoked is, hey, seriously, stop. At least let the women and children get out. Like, are you insane? Like, at least let them escape. And the ATF's response is just to open fire. Oh, there are women and children. Even better. Blam, blam, blam. Oh, yeah, it's a a ridiculous amount of. uh... Oh, I'm trying to look up how many agents were actually there. It was a huge operation. Yeah, it was you a had massive a helicopter, um, oh. helicopter, two uh, infantry fighting vehicles. Um, they're often referred to as tanks. That 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 wasn't tanks. There was a tank there. There was an M1 Abrams tank there later. Yeah, that was was borrowed from the from the National Guard or something yeah. like that. I thought That's... it was an M60. No, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the picture shown. I could be wrong. I thought the picture showed an Abrams, but they might not. Um, but there, it, as the ATF rolls up there, though, I know for sure they had a pair of IFVs. Um, I don't know if they already had. I don't think they had tanks until later. I want to say they were Abrams. They might have been M60s. 
Let's see. I don't see a number on the ATF because it was initially the ATF, the ATF raid. And then once shit went sideways, it was the FBI came in. Yeah. Like the the FBI are the ones that you see standing in front of uh, in front of the burning building. Yeah. And then posing in the yeah posing in the ashes, including a certain someone that was also at Ruby Ridge. Mr. Lon Harashi. Yeah. Yes. One of the snipe. One of the snipers in the building. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Nine twenty five. Gun battle began. ATF stated that they heard shots coming from the compound. While Branch Davidian survivors claimed the first shots came from the ATF agents outside. By the time the ceasefire was announced at eleven thirty a.m., so this is an hour and forty five minutes of shooting. Um, four ATF agents had been killed, and another sixteen had been wounded. Five Branch Davidians were killed, and later that day, a sixth was killed by ATF agents. He was actually, um, he was away from the compound and was trying to make it back to the compound, and, and he got cut off and killed. So, yeah. Yeah, the, um, I mean, do you want to keep going through what happened? Uh, I think we should wait on that until... Until April, the end of until April nineteenth, yeah, yeah, okay. Because so, I have a but, I have a uh, quote to to read about right. what the way that it ended. So I wanted okay. to know because well, for the next for the next forty nine days, the FBI hostage rescue team worked to negotiate peaceful end of the siege. In the first few days, a supposed breakthrough was made when Koresh agreed the Branch Davidians would leave the compound and return for a message recorded by Koresh being broadcast on national radio. But Koresh told negotiators that God had instructed him to remain in the building and wait. Despite this, 19 children were released. As time passed, the FBI used increasingly aggressive techniques, such as sleep deprivation by means of all-night broadcasts and recordings of loud noises and pop music to force all of the Branch Davidians out. Crash later forced a group of 11 followers to leave, uh, and they were arrested as material witnesses with one person charged with conspiracy to murder. And I so. did find it, Andrew. It, it was uh, M60s. It was M60s. Okay. Oh, for some reason, I had an image of an M1 with an American flag flying in my head. I guess it was an M60 with an American flag flying off the antenna. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's... I mean, and keep in mind, you know, and the, the irony of that, right? The, the Branch Davidians, they go to Mount Carmel because they're trying to just set up their own... Well, there, okay, there, be... it, what, it, what it was, what it was is, is there, there was a... a a church there since like the 1930s, right? It was a, a family church, a, a, a father uh, established there. And then like his son took over and then his son took over and then Koresh actually the, the, the shooting in 1987 that they're talking about, that was actually Koresh and some of Koresh's followers took over the compound away from the people that were there. And Koresh was part of the church and all that good stuff. He just, it was, it was essentially a coup. So, but then that guy, that guy left and whatnot. And then Koresh took over where he actually changed his name to Koresh after that. But I mean, keep in mind, like they, they the point that of them being there in the first place was that they're trying to go somewhere where they could freely practice their religion. Mm -hmm. Crazy as it was, but that's irrelevant. They're trying to practice their religion. They, you know, had guns to protect themselves and because they believed that a, uh, you know, a massive government assault was coming. 
Um, <laughs> turns out they were right. Yeah, who's going to see it? That seems um, rather prescient. Yeah, gee. Um, they, but I mean, so so this is a group that has fled to somewhere else that, that's isolated to escape religious persecution, has armed themselves for exclusively for protection, and then they're attacked by a government that then kills them all. And as they do, they're driving around flying an American flag, the flag of a country that was founded by a bunch of religious refugees and who went to war over somebody trying to take their guns away. Can yeah. you define irony any more better, <laughs> any better than that? I mean, that's. Uh... <laughs> it's just. The whole thing is is just so fucking infuriating. Like the idea that, you know, they before they actually had any of the warrants, they started surveilling and trying to infiltrate and everything else is pretty horrific. The fact that the the lead investigator initially who was monitoring them wound up like speaking out against the whole assault and that it was wrong and you know, that they didn't actually really necessarily have any evidence. Um, the fact that they're willing, the, these agents are willing to unload with automatic gunfire into a very thinly walled building full of children without a second thought or a moment's hesitation right out of the gate. I mean, that's... <laughs> And there's a lot of evidence that initially that was probably members of the ATF firing that other members of the ATF heard and then started firing as mm -hmm. a response. Like they didn't even confirm if it was incoming or outgoing. Like this is. And then to, to have them tweet constantly every year, this ce like celebration of it. <laughs> that they're like, oh, these, these brave heroes who died murdering. Like, was it 82? Is that the final death count? 76. 76. 76 people. They went up murdering 76 people. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're th these brave heroes who got killed as we tried to murder these people. I just. <laughs> I <laughs> because of Brandenburg v. Ohio, I can't say <laughs> a lot about I'm what trying, I think of that. Try not to. Yeah, I the, the quote that I wanted to read, though, is um, about it. It's from Ron Engelman. If you don't know who Ron Engelman was, he was the the radio host, the local radio host. Um, I forget who portrays him in the, the movie. Okay, no, no, okay. Uh, 82 killed. So 76 on the on April 19th. That's when they, they finally went in. And the okay. six that were killed on the initial day. Okay, I thought it was 82. I was, yeah, all right. So I had that number right. Look at that. Um, how the hell I remembered only, that. Only, oh, only, no the four, only the four ATF were killed. Yeah, um, but so Ron Engelman, he's, I think it's Eric Lang. Eric, the, the name of the actor is Eric Lang that, that plays him in the um, Waco um, series. But he says, after everything is over, so the FBI and the Branch Davidians each claim the others started the fire, and we may never know the truth. So instead, let's talk about what we do know. Fact. Fresno, California, 1973. A standoff with law enforcement ends when tear gas turns to fire, killing those inside. Fact. Los Angeles, 1974. Standoff between the SLA and law enforcement ends when tear gas turns to fire, killing those inside. Fact. 81. West Fork, Arkansas. A standoff. Tear gas. Fire. Death. 
83, Smithfield, Arkansas, 85, Philadelphia, 87, Escondido, California. All of them, standoff, tear gas, fire, death. The FBI knows this happens, and yet they made no plans to put out a fire if one started. We are, all of us, Americans. When we did we start seeing each other as the enemy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. Branch Davidian member Paul Fata, F-A-T-T-A. Um, he had a federal firearms license. So he had an FFL, so it was actually being shit. So then you can't even argue that. He had he an had FFL. A, he had a retail gun business called the Mag Bag. So you can't even make that argument that they were buying and selling guns illegally because he was an FFL. He could even be shipped directly because if you have an FFL... That address that's on your FFL can be shipped weapons directly mm-hmm. without anything else. You can just ship it to an FFL. Uh, and I know plenty of guys who have yeah. FFLs like for their home addresses, you know, is where their FFL is. The local sheriff said afterwards that he was not appraised of the raid or not apprised of the raid. So the ATF did not let him know that they were going in. Well, of course they didn't let him know. Uh, he w- they were afraid he was going to tip them off. Yeah, or, or, you know, go to the local press and point out what was happening and get the area coded in press before the raid started so the FBI in, that would arrive later in the ATF would never be able to do what they did. Right. Let's see. Uh, Koresh told the undercover ATF agent Robert Rodriguez that they knew a raid was imminent. Well, yeah, you'd have to be an imbecile to not. So they right. knew a raid was coming, so they were ready for it, and they still went in. Yeah. Oh. And I mean, the this is remember this is the Clinton era, right? So this is this is the era of the Listen, FBI, yeah, the ATF. Uh, 1993. So this is this is Clinton and Janet Reno. This is, yep. yeah. And this mm-hmm. is this would have been right after they had been in or Clinton would have been inaugurated. Yes, right afterwards because he was elected in '92. Right. Um, so the inauguration would have been January of '93. Yep. So this is a month later. Yeah. So this is. I mean, this is the. The legacy. This is the legacy of Clinton. This is the legacy of Reno, the Ruby Ridge and Waco oh, Ru- and yeah, Ruby Ridge was under um, uh, Reagan, right? Uh, no. Bush Senior. Oh Bush, yeah, it would be Bush, Bush Senior. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's that these heavy-handed handed tactics that had developed that Clinton then encourages and deploys on an even worse scale. Than Ruby well, Ridge. Wasn't the uh, military surplus uh, program for lo- uh, law enforcement? Wasn't that? No. Oh, oh shit. Even, okay. Hold on. Hold on. This was Attorney General Janet Reno. She was actually confirmed March 11th. Right. Well, she so was this, acting Attorney General up to. So, that n- point. so before her was William Barr. Well, hell, look at that. Look at that. Hey. Hmm. 
But again, this is this is their their legacy, right? This is the legacy of that era of the early '90s. And remember, this is right after FOPA, right? Like this is right after FOPA gets passed. And the purpose of FOPA, when it was initially conceived, was because people who even had FFLs, right, and or if they didn't have FFLs and were just one or two guns, basically the ATF was going after them for not having FFLs if they bought and sold like two guns in a given year. Yep. And they were harassing the living shit out of them. And you couldn't you couldn't really buy or sell guns. You couldn't be a collector. You couldn't do that if, you, you know, if you didn't have an FFL in that that era and what was happening under Reagan um, in the, the, the mid 80s. So because the harassment was getting so bad, that was the idea behind FOPA, right? The Republicans pro- proposed FOPA, the Firearms Owners Protection Act that basically stops the harassment. Like that's its goal is to stop the harassment of uh, gun owners who are just, you know, who are just buying and selling one or two, three, four guns over the course of a year because they're collectors, right? This is their hobby. This is what they do. Um, And the, the the report that led to FOPA said that 75% of ATF prosecutions Quote, were aimed at ordinary citizens who had neither criminal intent nor knowledge, but were enticed by agents who unknowingly technical violations. Yep, exactly. It was I mean, it was blatantly harassment and it was blatantly entrapment. And so the idea behind FOPA was supposed to be that it would stop it. But the Democrats really didn't like that. So they thought they'd come up with this uh, poison pill that they would throw on there, which is the Hughes Amendment. They thought there's no way they're going to pass it with the Hughes Amendment on there that closes the, the machine gun registry. And because remember, prior to 1986, mm-hmm. you could buy a brand new machine gun. You still had to pay the $200 tax stamp, but that's all you had to do is pay a $200 tax stamp. You didn't have to, you know, you, it, there wasn't an, a transferable or non-transferable machine gun. If it was a machine gun and it was, you know, and you paid your tax stamp, it was legal to have. Can you yeah. guys read that or no? You can burn no. so many women and children in here. Oh. Um, let's see. Uh, April 10th, 1986, House, House uh, Amendment uh, 777 Amendment passed the House by voice vote, and the House had recorded votes on three minutes. Okay, so uh, the Hughes Amendment was passed on April 10th, 1986. Yep. So this is this is when, you know, this is when this happens. And so that's this era, right? Like this is the era of FOPA. This is the era of, hey, you need to knock it off with this harassment stuff. And in response to that being this big thing, the ATF burns a bunch of women and children to death because a guy who had an FFL was buying and selling firearms. Yeah, I- Because Andrew, it's because they didn't conform to what the government ideal of what American life is supposed to be. Well, That's what I mean, there's uh, the bill was signed or passed and signed on May 19, 1986, by President Ronald Reagan to become law. <sighs> Thanks, Ronnie. Yeah. So, and again, the the right the right wing, uh, <laughs> like God. Ronald Reagan in 86 signs the Hughes Amendment, turns it into law, and therefore creates a finite amount of machine guns. Yeah, no new machine guns. 
So, I mean, you know, because before that, the idea that you would even need a SOT 2 just wasn't a thing because you could just buy machine guns. And, you know, and the thing is, is that <laughs> the the argument that was made against the Hughes Amendment a lot was was from collectors and things saying, but now I can't collect, you know, like military surplus arms. Like, I want to be able to collect things. And that's generally even now that's most people's problem with it, too, is mm-hmm. that isn't like, oh, I want to be able to buy a bunch of machine guns and go out and shoot them all the time. It's, well, I want to be able to buy an authentic original, you know, FG-42 and not have it cost me as much as a heart transplant would. Because um, that's seriously FG-42. <laughs> oh, my God. But, I mean, and even the re- the semi-auto replicas run you $5,500. So <laughs> they're expensive guns. But they weren't at the time like they were still expensive because they were historically valuable, but you didn't have machine guns selling for as much as they did. So, you know, every you could just go buy a machine gun at a gun store. You could walk in and you could walk out with an actual machine gun after you paid your $200 tax stamp and went through the, the GCA background. or Yeah, the GCA yeah. background process. And, and it's not like it's not like automatic, you know, gun crime was a thing. No. I mean, if you were a coke runner in you know Miami at the time, maybe, but, but you like weren't Andrew purchasing, said, the, you weren't purchasing majority, the firearms legal anyway. Yeah, the vast majority of the, like Andrew said, the vast majority of the reason or the people who were buying these historically historically significant full autos were the collectors. It wasn't it, it's pro, it's cost prohibitive. Even back then, it was cost prohibitive for you to buy a machine gun to just go out and blast with it. Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, and it's it, it, it's all highlighted really, really well by a story that uh, was related by the uh, curator of um, Cody Firearms Museum. They're at Shot Show a few years ago. They wanted to do a thing about how with the M1 carbine, Carbine Williams actually isn't the inventor. He didn't have nearly as much of a, anything to do with it, and like they wanted to show the the other productions of it and like bring a bunch of historically interesting. M1 carbines because everyone made M1 carbines. I mean, if you go to the Cody Firearms Museum right now, the, one of the first things you see is an M1 carbine made by Louisville Slugger. Uh, <laughs> and that's the entire gun, like not just the stock. They made the whole thing in house. So, like, and they wanted to bring them, and they realized that the only one they could actually bring to the shot show was Carbine Williams prototype because all of the other ones had the equipment for the selector switch to make them M2s. So they were all NFA registered. Every Which single one of them. You can't cross state line with without permission and blah, blah, right. blah, blah. Yeah, and they didn't have, by the time they realized that, they didn't have the time to do it. That's the kind of thing that that law ever, inter- that's the only kind of thing that law ever interferes with, is yeah. just stuff like that. It never stops. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember one of the biggest crimes done with automatic weapons in uh, the United States, the North Hollywood shootout doesn't happen until 1997, 11 years after the Hughes <laughs> amendment. And it's with illegal AK 47s after they robbed a bank. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. as they're the high incident bandits. This is what they did. They walked into banks. They fired off a bunch of rounds with the AK they robbed and then they left. Didn't work out so hot that time, but they because a cop happened to be driving by as they did this but the isn't um, that the same shootout where the cops uh, responded with shotguns and then they went to a gun store that was like around the corner mm-hmm. and got a bunch of ars from them yeah because uh, they realized AR, that they, AR, they were outgunned ars and deer yeah. rifles yeah yeah because yeah. they realized they had body armor on and like basically it was their heads were the only things that were unprotected their heads and their feet 
and they yeah they had to get something more powerful to try and get through their body armor and it's not and the body armor was you know i mean primitive early body armor yeah it was soft armor wasn't it yeah well i think they had hard i want to say they had hard plates like they actually had military vests but then they had like the shin stuff and they had the thigh pads and stuff like they had Mm -hmm. a lot of armor but this is 11 years after the hughes amendment before this even happens it's everything they have is illegal the hughes amendments does nothing and clearly fopa did nothing because 10 years after fopa they're still harassing the shit out of legal firearm stealers so all right Uh, we got to move on to this next article which has nothing to do with Mount Carmel and Waco, but thank God, because <laughs> yeah, as 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 much as like Waco and Ruby Ridge and all that stuff, and and as much as that just gets to me and triggers me, you guys know I'm a big property rights guy, right? Like Andrew, Andrew, I know you guys are like gun rights and this and that. Property rights, you know, property rights oh, are my thing. I, I'm big on property rights as a property owner. Well, I mean, it's kind of important to, to, to me. To be to be fair, all rights are property rights, but I mean, that's right. You know what I mean when I say property rights. <sighs> Family says county kicked them off their own land for living in an RV. This is Polk County, Georgia. Of course, it is. Many families are coming up with creative ways to make ends meet during the pandemic. But one man's plan highlights a growing community issue. Who is the true master of your land? Uh, Channel 2 anchor Sophia Choi started investigating and learned the answer may come from a judge. Choi spent two weeks looking into this after hearing from Tim Leslie of Polk County. His plan was to buy land and live off of it after losing his job due to the pandemic. He bought the land, but the county says he can't live there. Leslie has chicken, goats, a vegetable garden, and plenty of space to roam around in the fresh air. Quote, we plan on building a forever home here and, you know, growing old and giving it to our kids, Tim Leslie said. It's a place where Leslie, his wife Amy, and their two kids, nine-year-old Knox and 18-month-old Daisy, could thrive even during a pandemic. Almost every penny Leslie had, including his pension and 401k savings, went to buying and clearing the land near Cedartown in Polk County in November of 2020. But instead of living there, his kids are now playing on asphalt and living in an RV park. Leslie says that's because the county forced them to move after slapping them with a citation for living in a recreational vehicle on their own property. And it's not like it's a... It's not like it's a, a run-down RV. It's a nice RV, which means it's insulated. It has heat. It has room. It has places for people to sleep. It's got a bathroom. It's got a kitchen. It has all the modern amenities. Yeah, it has and everything. He can, he can live in an RV park, but can't live in his RV on his own property. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. The, he, uh, you're right, you're allowed on. to live in it, but only in pre-designated spaces oh. that the state says it's oh. okay. Quote, this is a quote from Leslie. Quote, before I could go to court, they showed up at my property. The building inspector and the code enforcement officer 
and told me I had to be off my land or they were going to seize my vehicles and my assets. So he had to vacate his own property or they were going to take all of his shit. Every <laughs> last thing he's got, they're going to take it all. Because I feel like there's something uh, about like a, a Fourth Amendment here that maybe I, you it, should just it. There's a whole lot of things right here, and and <laughs> when I and if I am ever killed by the government, by agents of the government, it will be over something like this. Like well, yeah, I'm, I'm putting that out there, it will be over something like this. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine how the founding fathers of the United States would have reacted if they had? Oh, sorry, your house is too small. Can you and not up to our standards? Therefore, we are going to take all of your property. Can you imagine the reaction? Imagine Thomas Paine being told, "Uh, yeah, ye old cabin is unfit for, you know, humans to live in. You have to vacate it." Yeah, I. Yeah. <laughs> there would I mean, be bodies stacked outside. There yeah, just... imagine well imagine just three see Thomas Paine of... Thomas Paine going <laughs> ye off where you find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean it's I just want to point out imagine imagine if these same building specters saw the Continental Army conditions at Yorktown. Oh gosh. Like these are, these are... <laughs> Unelected hourly wage bureaucrats. So here's my question: If they telling telling people say, that they can't live on their own in their own property on their own property, right? So here here's a question: You're not allowed to live in the RV, but let's say you live in the tents outside the RV and you just use the RV as common space. Uh, let's see. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm turning red. I can feel myself. I, know it. Just, I can see it. Quote This is a question about property rights, says attorney Ari Bargill with the Institute for Justice, which I love the Institute for Justice. Uh, quote Mr. Leslie owns the property on which he's situated his camper. As a result, he has the right to live there as long as he's not any harming anybody through its use. Right? Yeah. Uh, Leslie has checked with the county codes before buying the land. He showed Choi the section that allows for, quote, single-family dwellings in an agricultural district, which under which his property is, is zoned as. Uh, under the county's definition of dwellings, it specifically includes manufactured homes, mobile homes, industrialized buildings, and recreational vehicles. It includes recreational vehicles. Yes. So it's included in the acceptable use Law, the acceptable use ordinance. Yes, but uh, they told well, him he couldn't. Yeah, what the? Fuck? Yeah, you know the Hold the on. most the most insane thing to me is that like I was going to say, oh, so you can live in a mobile home, which is basically just an oversized RV without a motor, and then no, it's actually even more insane because RVs themselves are, are in list. fact listed. Yes, as as the uh, the county's definition of a dwelling. Yeah. Uh, quote, it showed that we could have our animals here and be in our camper temporarily, so that's the reason we moved out, we moved out to the land. Uh, Leslie showed Troy the citation. The citation is listed as, quote, living in campers slash RV. 
Choi, this is the again the, the news anchor, tried numerous times to get an interview with the Polk County administration. The county commissioner, the police chief, and the county commissioner's chair all refused, citing the pending court case with Leslie. They also refused to explain the ordinance in general terms or clarify which one trumps the other. In other words, they didn't want to go on record and hang themselves. Hold on. Hold on. It gets better. However, Polk County Police Chief Kenny Dodd did email Choi several codes that he says prohibit Leslie's plans. One states, quote, Temporary buildings and trailers shall not be allowed in any district except when utilized for construction or site contracting work. So what you're telling me is that if they had had a concrete pad poured for their house, it's now okay. Another requires that single-family dwellings contain at least 1,200 square feet minimum. What kind of arbitrary horse shit is that? What the fuck? Hold on, hold on, hold I knew, on, hold see, on, and I knew on, that wait, was gonna wait. be. It gets better. See, Don't if we ever that. sell, if we ever sell merch for this podcast, it the first better. shirt we're gonna do <laughs> is hold on, it gets better. Yes. Chief Todd also referenced section seven hundred point zero three, which lists the purpose of the codes to include aesthetic values of land and property. What? What the? What the fuck? Right. So wait, so wait. Hang on, hang on. Reference reference on. section 700.03, which lists the purpose of the codes that I just read to include, quote, aesthetic values of land and property. So okay. So let's you let's, can't, let's you can't live in an RV. On your own property. Because it's because, not pretty. Because it's not pretty. Which is subjective. So it, okay, so let's let's go through. So RVs are allowed under the code that defines According dwellings. to the county, yes. Uh, uh, that defines dwellings. Then RVs are forbidden in a separate code. Because there are a temporary building or trailer. That shall not be allowed in any district except when utilized for construction or site construction work. Because they're not pretty enough. And they're not more or less. They don't and, and they have to rec- they have to have at and least And they have to be twelve hundred twelve hundred square feet. I just want to point out twelve hundred square feet is larger, not by much, but larger than where I live now. It's larger than my apartment. I yeah. can't say that. Twelve twelve hundred square feet is forty by 30 feet. So if he had built rather than an RV, if he had gone to Home Depot and ordered one of their prefab like sheds, right? Mm-hmm. And built that there that was large enough. And then everyone had just basically camped inside that. Yes. He would have been fine. But because he didn't. Yes. And it was outside. It wasn't pretty enough. So they're threatened to take his all of his possessions away from him. Yes. And, and of course, as always, it gets better. <sighs> this is a, a quote from Bargill. He's the Institute for Justice Lawyer. 
He says, quote, there is nothing that says he can or cannot have a camper on his property. They're trying to compile this mishmash of ordinance applications in order to be able to say you can't do this. But the reality is that this is a this is a unique use of property. It's one that is not um, not contemplated by the city's ordinance. And for that reason alone, it should be allowed or at least temporary. Which goes back to what we constantly bring up, that that legislation cannot anticipate innovation, and therefore you cannot possibly put your faith in legislation. Yes. Um, Leslie hoped to save money by living off his land. Instead, it's costing him money and livestock. Because he is unable to stay overnight, he is losing his animals to coyotes, despite making daily, hour-long round trips from the RV park. And... So here's here's where it gets even more insane, right? Here's where it gets even more insane. If he drove that RV out there, stayed for three nights, and then drove it away, that's legal. Yep. Something like, yeah, yeah, as long as you're, you're recreating. Right. But because he was living there, yes. even though it's only temporary, he straight up said the intention is that it is temporary. We are going to build an actual house here. Yes. I just need to be able to save enough money up to do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. The act that Leslie actually says later in this article that his whole plan was to live in the RV until they could get back on his feet and build a forever house that would last for generations. Which I feel. I and absolutely now, feel that. And now it's going to be even harder for him to do that because he's got to pay fees to the RV park to be able to live there. <laughs> in addition we to the even... taxes on the property that he's not allowed to live on we can even go step further like you can live in that rv and park it on the road in city limits overnight right mm-hmm. people right. do that all the time right so you, you but because long, he's in a rural as, area as long as you as long as you move you know every night people sleep in the vans they sleep in their cars they sleep in rvs all over the all over america mm-hmm. in the cities all the time yep but Living in an RV on his property that he paid for is illegal, according to this particular group of bludgies. Oh yeah, there is there is a guy here. But it's here. illegal after it's been stated that living in an RV yeah, on your legal. private property is perfectly legal. <laughs> yeah, see, and that's I mean, and you know, there because there is a guy. So there is oh. a guy here in in town who who lived under the bridge, because um, so it. Obviously, most people listening to this, they have no idea what lacrosse looks like. But we have two two giant bridges, right? One's going out across the Mississippi. One's coming back from Minnesota into town across the Mississippi. And they go, there are roads that are underneath where it initially curves up, you know, to go over the river. He was parking down there because there's nothing down there, obviously. There's a bridge over your head. You're not going to build there. Um, he's parking on that road. He had like a school bus that he had turned into kind of a, a camper, right? He had a schoolie. And he was parking down there because he's a day laborer. He, he didn't have any money. He couldn't afford to move in anywhere. So he's living in that parked there. And the only reason they kicked him out wasn't because he was living in the school bus. It was because he wasn't moving it far enough to meet a city ordinance about uh, abandoned vehicles and inoperable vehicles. <laughs> now, the vehicle is totally <laughs> operable and not abandoned. He's living in it. But because it isn't moving far enough for them... They tell him he's got to move the bus. So he drives far enough to meet it, finds a parking space, and then he just rotates between the two parking spaces every night (laughs) because then the vehicle is moving far enough 
that yep. they can't complain. That's the most arbit. I thought that was the most arbitrary shit I had ever heard of when it came to living out of a vehicle. This <laughs> this takes the fucking cake because not only not only is it just wildly arbitrary, but they have laws that are on the books that are directly in conflict with each other. <sighs> Which is why this has to go to court. Because now a judge is going to have to decide which law supersedes the other one. Do I, do I have to say it again? No. no. <sighs> Leslie lost in the municipal court. But in a highly unusual move, a superior court judge has agreed to hear the case. So He, he lost, lost in, in municipal court. Yeah, he lost. There's two laws that conflict with each other. Which one was the judge going by? Is my question. Okay, which one? Which one are you going by? Because if you're going by one, then that well, invalidates if, this one. I was going to say, if he lost in, in municipal court, then that would say that the judge is saying that the types of dwelling you're allowed to live on is invalid. Yeah. Which so means, that's his ruling. So the yeah. Institute Justice has picked up his case, and they're also going to help him with a civil lawsuit against Pope County. Good. Uh, Leslie also says, quote, I don't, um, he says the whole plan was to live in the RV until you get back up on his feet and build a forever house that would last for generations. He says, uh, quote, I don't know if that's still going to be the case. I'm a little scared to be in Polk County. Oh, yeah, because especially if you win, mm -hmm. if you win, they are going to be on your ass like flies on shit. Yep. All day, every day, forever. Because you beat them. Just, it's... <sighs> <sighs> and I mean, you know, we we always talk about um, whether or not government is has any <laughs> sense of morality whatsoever. If there was ever, if anybody is listening or uh -huh. has ever listened to this podcast and ever thought that government had any shred of morality, this right here <laughs> has to destroy any illusion you had of that. It's I'm I'm trying so hard to just put my 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 feelings into words and and I can't I can't put my feeling into words. Well, it's, at one point, Jason, I will say, while you were reading that, you were about that color. Oh, I feel it. My cheeks hurt. Well, and you yeah. know, the thing I. <laughs> The most frustrating thing for me out of the entire thing, it really is the most frustrating thing for me, is that it's not even just that it's tyrannical, right? It's not even just that it's super arbitrary. It's that the laws themselves, the arbitrary tyrannical laws, don't even agree with each other. And then he lost. You, I mean, what... <laughs> What? Yeah. What's, so, what, I mean, at that point, then, does that mean that the one law that defines a dwelling is completely invalid and therefore no dwellings can be verified to, in fact, qualify as a dwelling? Well, then, if no dwellings qualify, then every dwelling qualifies because there's exactly. no. Because there's no longer a definition in, for it. In, in essence, what you end up with is with a round robin in which he wins anyway. Yeah. And I mean, and the thing. It's, and and the ridiculous thing is, is again, he could have built, he could, if he had taken the money, he could have built just a really big shed, parked this thing inside, 
the as shed. long as it had a closed door. Yep. Parked this inside the shed and lived in it in the shed. And it would have been okay. Yeah, Shit, because uh, purposes of construction are listed, he could have had a concrete pad poured for his eventual, eventual house. Parked the RV on it. Parked the RV. Well, parked the RV next to it and been like, oh, well, eventually we're going to build a house. We're in the process of construction. It's just delayed. And that would have been allowed under the law. Yep. I, or, ha, or uh, you know, if okay. you really want to get um, inventive. I, I found I found the the, the family's facebook page called justice for my family and uh there's a, a post from january 30th that says uh, respecting the right of private property is essential to a just and prosperous society but gov- government at all levels local state and federal routinely infringe on those rights if a code is worth enforcing it must be enforced uniformly without bias and to protect the public health and safety all government may only impose fines for a vi- for a code violation that are reasonable and uh in proportion to the violation yeah, and they threatened to take all of his property away for one minor infraction. Yep. Yes. And, and you know, if you if you really wanted to mess with him, for a hundred dollars in the state of Florida, he could file an LLC for some fake ass construction company, hang the banner off the side of his RV, and just park it there. This is my construction hut. Yep. Let's this see, is for um, construction. November 30th, the judge ruled against us and issued a ruling saying that we have 21 days to vacate our property. Um, fuck you, make me. I'm telling you, this is just... You know, and, and people talk <laughs> about, you know, so many people will complain about homelessness and stuff and like, oh, what can we do to reduce homelessness? And, you know, maybe let people live. In, on their in places, fucking property. On their property. Maybe, <laughs> you know, because there was a time, you know, there was a time not that long ago, less than a hundred years ago in the United States, you could literally buy a chunk of land, throw up a hut, and start a, living in have, it. They have and that was fine. They have a screenshot of the county definition of a dwelling as the cover photo for their family. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But I mean, that's... Well, there's and that's the thing is like you want to complain about homelessness. So many people like, oh, yeah, the the homelessness is so bad, blah, blah, blah. But then. The simplest way to stop homelessness, which is to allow people to make homes. They they don't want to let have happen because. Oh, well, it's not pretty. Right. Like, that's the biggest argument constantly. If you go, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to buy a chunk of land and I'm going to throw a bunch of tiny homes on it and then homeless people can live there. And then communities will freak out about it because, but it's not pretty. Because mm-hmm. it's not about actually caring about people. It's not actually about worrying it's what's the best. the illusion of caring about people. Yeah, it's about lending lip service to supposedly caring about people. And also, it's about trying to maintain the standard of living that the people who are in charge want for themselves. They don't even want to see the homeless. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't even, I mean, that's the reason why, like, the, the homeless camp here in town, right? Like, on, on the edge of the marsh. It's, like, in the marsh. Okay, oh, okay. so it, this it's is. cleared out because I, I, people don't I, want to see I found, I found, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I found their, their GoFundMe. 
Um, and they talk about the land and, and uh, August 20th, we purchased the lot with our close personal friend, Matt. We spent the next couple of days or next couple of months preparing for the movie, repaired fencing, installed posts and gates, built suitable homes for all the animals and worked to clear the land. During the time, we had several amicable meetings with our neighbors. We let them know that we plan to do and what we plan to do about it. Uh, we made it clear that we were doing all the work ourselves and nothing would be perfect overnight, but we would work hard and keep improving the property. Um, the neighbor was never, never offered any objection to any of these meetings. Right. And then um, uh, October 18th, both campers, both campers have been delivered to the property. Um, October 20th, which is two days later, we had our first meeting with local code enforcement. The officer said he wants to see what we're doing with the land. He's very amicable. Tim is amicable. Tim walks the officer around the property, shows him what we have done, uh, what we've been doing, informing him of our future plans. Everything seems fine. The officer gave our son a children's book that he had written and left. And then the 21st, code officer comes back to the property and asks what we intend to build. Later that noon, later that afternoon, the officer returns and asks if we started the permitting process. Tim said we had not because we need other th we have other things that we need to get done first to build up the farm. Uh, and we had not even selected a house plan, blah, 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 blah. The officer advises that we need to start permitting process to be able to stay on the property. Uh, Tim recited the code that allowed us to be there, and the officer admitted that he wasn't familiar with the agricultural code. He's not even so. This is not only being enforced by an unelected oh. hourly bureaucrat. Uh, he it's he, also he wasn't familiar with the agricultural code. To, uh, he recommended that Tim go to the building department. Tim went and got the information we need to start the permitting process, and confirmed it was not in the not in our scope or even budget at this time. We couldn't afford it even if we wanted to. We printed out a copy of the Pope County Code to show the officer on his next visit. Uh, 10-23, so October 23rd. The officer returned to see if we had filed the permits. Tim let him know that we had not and showed him the paperwork. We had printed off detailing our right to use the property as we as we were. And then he referenced others, other codes, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I, and and here's you know here's the thing with this too and and like one of the big things with this in my opinion is the because it is so arbitrary this is is there a legitimate reason why people can't live in an rv no 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 there's no reason, legitimate reason people can't live in a tiny little shack there's no reason that people can't live in a lean-to people have been doing Exactly that, living in tiny shacks and lean-tos and little one-room houses for most of human fucking history and been just fine. We figured it out. We've managed to do it. Like, one of the reasons why humanity has spread to so many places on the planet as it has is because we are very adaptable. What this yeah. is seeking to do is to stifle innovation and adaptability. And like, and, you know, it's this, God, this whole no. this article makes me think about uh, one of the things I've always wanted to do, which is to buy a, a you know tract of say 10, 20 acres, something like that. And rather than put up one big house, put up like eight little shed, eight sheds in a circular pattern around a common open area. Yeah, build a concrete walk. Mutual well, assistance facility or mutual assistance community? Kind of, except it's 
my family that lives there. You know, my wife and I have one, but each one of my kids, as they get older, has their own. Well, and yeah, there's so on and so forth. There's there's a place not far outside of outside of town here that was for sale a couple of years ago that I'd looked at. It has four tiny houses on it that are like arranged in kind of like a crisscross pattern around this common area with a big fire pit. Yeah. And it was being sold as a vacation property because the Coney doesn't allow you to permanently live there. So like, and it was set up that way and it had, it even had like a well that was feeding water to all four of the tiny houses. It had a septic system that handled all four tiny houses. They were all even connected to the electrical grid. But you're not allowed to live there permanently because yep. the houses are too small. Yeah. Yep. And it's just ah uh, uh, okay. All right, let's move on. We need to. I need to. Uh, I want to get red flagged. <laughs> Probable um, drone target. Oh yeah, I got I got one of those patches on the way from from antistate.net. I got a the probable <laughs> drone target patch. I also have I at the same time ordered a shirt from them that I've been meaning to. That's the rooftop voter. Rooftop voter. You know, it's funny cuz you ordered the shirt, I ordered the patch. <laughs> the rooftop voter one? Yep. Yeah. I, I almost uh, ordered the patch, but I decided on the t-shirt because I wear the t-shirt with the drone target patch. So there you go. <laughs> uh, lawmaker wants to ban violent video games like GTA 5 amid rising carjackings. <laughs> that is definitely the cause of carjackings in Chicago. Is Grand Theft Auto fucking fun? Yep. That'll oh, fix it. Man. Uh, lawmaker in <laughs> Chicago has put forth a new bill that seeks to ban the sale or rental of violent video games completely. This bill, HB 3531, seeks to amend the violent video games law in the state of Illinois' criminal code of 2012 to make it much more extreme. The code currently states that video games cannot be sold or rented to minors, but the new bill seeks to ban the sale of violent video games to everyone. Additionally, the bill seeks to change the definition of violent video game to the following oh no quote, quote <laughs> are you trying not to laugh or are you I'm, trying not I'm, to cry i'm a little bit of both a little <laughs> bit of both all right quote a violent <laughs> quote you a can't video even say game, it with a straight fucking a video <laughs> game that allows a user or player to control a character within the video game that is encouraged to perpetuate human-on-human -human violence in which the player kills or otherwise causes serious physical or psychological harm to another player or an animal. What? Tell me that would not just... That's like, every that, that video not, game. That would not ban, like, every RPG ever. It would well, ban... Just, it would ban just about every video game except say, for the majority. Except <laughs> yeah. for, like, little, little kids' video games where it's like, what's six plus six? I mean, even, <laughs> you know, especially with the human on human violence, I mean, even like um, need for speed, the latest one, need for speed heat, you have to ram other cars off the road in that game. So you're oh, still doing I'll, human on human violence. It's still going to be banned. further. I'll take you one further. And uh, it, Madden, says, it says Madden is physical violence. No, it says right here. Otherwise causes serious physical or physical or psychological harm to other humans or an or an animal. Oregon Trail would be banned under this <laughs> because you hunt animals to survive as you cross the fucking plains. Uh, if you don't die dysentery. 
if you don't die of dysentery. But what? Like number munchers is about Hold the on. only game oh. you could play. <laughs> oh, okay. Ah, the bill also wants to change the definition of serious physical harm <laughs> to include, quote, psychological harm and child abuse, sexual abuse, animal abuse, domestic violence, violence against women, or motor vehicle theft with a driver or passenger present inside the vehicle when the theft begins. The name of the game is Grand <laughs> Theft Auto. What yeah. the fuck do you think the purpose of the you, game is? And you know, and you know that the game has been uh, right. Grand Theft Auto has been a subject of enormous amounts of um, controversy since the first one, which was a top-down, like sixteen-bit, I think, shooter. Like, uh, yeah. First Grand Theft Auto was what PS2. Uh, I was before that. Was it? I thought that I'm was PS2. Sure. I think it was the original PlayStation. Out. If it was even the original, I mean, it might have even been earlier than that because, like, even Grand Theft Auto 2 was top down. Let's see. Um, let's see. 1997 for the Sega Saturn and then 64. There you go. Yep. There we go. Uh, let's so, see. Uh, it was on a, a Game Boy Color, PlayStation, <laughs> Microsoft Windows, and MS DOS. So that was nineteen ninety. Yep. That was nineteen ninety seven. I knew it was PlayStation One. Yeah, it's it's a top down. I played them all. I've played every single GTA that has ever come out since the first one. Um, and like even then, like because you had you know they couldn't even really do audio, right? So they had like a beeper, like a pager that would come up mm -hmm. and and like have messages that would scroll across for information and things. And. Like that even was controversial. And, you know, that was an era where there's a lot of the controversy. And actually what I was trying to queue up here while you guys were talking was Twisted Sister. <laughs> because. No, we're not going to take it. Right. Well, I mean, you remember, um, um, I know you're going with Tipper, the Tipper Gore thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was the that. direction I was going. Yeah, it was Tipper Gore. So the, you know, this is the, you know, when when the original GTAs are out, this is this is the Tipper Gore like outrage era of mm. oh, it's it's the music. Music is making kids bad, and of all the bands that she chooses, Twisted Sister, which doesn't <laughs> swear or ever talk about sex or violence or anything in any of their songs, at all. D. Schneider's like, I think he, if he's not an ordained minister, he's at least an outspoken like Christian. He, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, the, this, the... that's the band she chooses to like attack. And like, he destroys her in front yeah. of Congress. Absolutely. That was the, destroys um, her. Uh, the PMRC, the Parents Music Resource Center, had singled them out. Yeah, because they don't yeah. they don't bother. And it was probably largely because of that music video. And if you don't. If you've never seen the music video, the first minute and like 35 seconds is uh, yeah, like it's the uh, video. It's got the guy who uh, from Animal uh, Animal House, who is the who leads the ROTC doing kind of the yeah. same sort of character. It, it's pretty good. So, yeah, that's the, those are responsible for the uh, or that the. The, uh, the PMRC is responsible for the uh, parental advisory stickers that we still have. Yep. 
Yeah. There's a but what what we're referencing is there's there's a really famous um, video you can look them up you can look it up on YouTube or literally anywhere at this point of D Snyder addressing Tipper Gore that's Al Gore's wife um, at at a congressional hearing there's like Tipper Gore and three or four other women up there and D Snyder just absolutely destroys their whole oh, yeah. Christian conservative labeling well, and all and that's, it's just it's yeah beautiful. and that's the funny thing is, is again d schneider is like a very outspoken christian <laughs> he's very conservative actually he's you know like the fact that of all of the bands that they chose to attack they chose not kiss not uh you know they didn't even complain about um uh, uh spinal tap no 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 it's the one band, the one '80s hair metal band that doesn't sing about like sex and drugs and drinking and like violence, it's that band. Like, <laughs> it's just. But this is this is the ongoing thing, right? This has happened almost as long as there are video games, because this same time around the same time frame, remember, it, it, and those of us who were alive then, we remember that. They also talked about violent video games then in Columbine, mm-hmm. right? That was what Columbine was 90. Was that 96? 99? 98, I think. 98? Something, something like that. Long time ago. Columbine, remember, they blamed Doom mm-hmm. for for uh, Harrison Klebold, right? Which is absurd. It's It had nothing to do with video games. It had nothing to do with music. It never has. April and... 20th, 99. 99 okay yeah see i thought like as soon as i said 96 i'm like no wait that was 99 um i mean you know you that's that happened as soon as it occurred they blamed marilyn manson and they blamed doom <laughs> like right away well, um, wolfenstein was so much better well yeah well I, <laughs> wolfenstein was better but doom doom pioneered the first person shooter though it was like it the did. pioneer of the first person shooter so um and using oh. sprites to simulate 3D is is still so innovative it's it's so clever but the the whole thing though is that you know they they since video games started since music started to not be the Andrews sisters and being Crosby they have started <laughs> you know blaming music and blaming video games and they blame you know and and with shootings now too they'll blame guns they'll blame everything but the shooting the choices yeah of the people <laughs> the people involved it's everything or, or else's how about, fault or how about the government creating systematic oppression and creating social economic situations that force people into a life of violence well, yeah, exactly. I mean, well, we, again, one they, of the guys that we talk about regularly is one such person. In fact, he's on your patch. Oh, Jason. yeah, yeah, yeah. Marvin I Hammer. Mean, the government forced him in, forced his hand. He tried to do everything their mm-hmm. way. And when that didn't work, when nothing worked, he resorted to violence. Yeah, because remember, you can't you know, do everything on. their way and win if they don't want you to because the right. system isn't there for you. It's set up that way. And yeah. purpose. Oh, it's, dude, it's not a game that's built to for you to win. Oh. You got you pushed right past that segue. Christopher had a nice segue, and you guys kept going. Oh, well, you oh. know what? Hold on, hold on. 
a city charged this woman more than $100,000 for parking on her own property. You can't fucking win. I'm no. Gonna let, let that sink in. Let that, I'm going to read that headline again. A city charged this woman more than $100,000 for parking on her own property. Oh, and and my I love the uh, the tagline that's immediately underneath that, along with another sixty three thousand five hundred dollars because her driveway has cracks and because of a fence that a storm took down. A hundred and sixty three thousand five hundred dollars in fines. I. There was just, wasn't there just, and was that, I think that might have been in Wisconsin. Eagle that, River. Was that Eagle? Yeah, Eagle River. Eagle the guy River. that was parking the semis on his property. Yep. And he was like threatened with like enormous fines for the same thing. It's his property. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he wants to park cars and trucks on it, he can. It's not yours. Yeah. Uh, Sandy Martinez has a car. So do her two adult children and her sister. With all, when all four cars were parked in Martinez's home in Latana, Florida, two of them sometimes extended slightly beyond the driveway, which is flanked by her lawn and a walkway. Because that, because that violation of Latana's municipal code is punishable by a fine of $250 per day, the city is demanding more than $100,000 from her, plus another $63,500 for cracks in the driveway and a fence that was blown over in a storm. I am just in awe at the fucking audacity. <sighs> in a lawsuit that Martinez filed today with the help of the Institute for Justice, she argues that the enormous bill for the trivial code violations amounting to nearly four times her annual income runs afoul of Florida's constitution. Quote, the government cannot lock you into a lifetime of debt and cripple you financially for minor infractions that do not threaten health or safety. That is a quote from the Institute of Justice, Ari Bargill. Quote, Florida's constitution forbids fines that are excessive or shock the conscience. And that's exactly how to describe the six-figure fines or six-figure fines for petty violations, unconscionable. Well, the... The audacity of the the part of this that makes me just go, what the fuck? The tires are in the driveway. The only thing that's hanging over into the sidewalk, and according to, I saw another article, I wish I knew, I wish I'd bookmarked it, where they took pictures oh. of the other vehicles. The vehicles hang off into the sidewalk by about a foot on a four-foot sidewalk. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Hold on. Martinez's street has no curbs and is not wide enough to accommodate parked cars. There's she, a and her, she and her relatives, therefore, could not legally or safely park on the street, leaving the driveway as the only option. But as the complaint notes, quote, parking on one's own front yard space, even a tiny bit, is illegal in Lantana. So, so you can't drive, you can't park on your own property. You can't park on the street. And if you hang off into the fucking sidewalk by so much as in fucking inch, we're going to fine you $250 a day. Yes. On May 16th, 2019, Martinez received a citation for, quote, vehicle parked on unapproved surface slash grass slash walkway. 
After a hearing on June 20th, mm-hmm. the city imposed an accumulated fine of $11,500. Martinez repeatedly tried to arrange a visit by a code enforcement officer to show her that she had corrected the violation. But after those efforts proved fruitless, the complaint says she, quote, eventually forgot about the issue. Her daily fines, therefore, continue to accum- accumulate for 407 days. And a new total now exceeds $100,000, which nobody told her would happen. Are you for parking her vehicles, for parking cars on her own property. If you are walking down a sidewalk and a car is hanging over onto the sidewalk by a foot, you know how you remedy that issue? Like, you don't you walk, walk up to it. it. Yeah, you don't walk up to it and go, oh, my God, my my <laughs> ability to continue forward is entirely blocked. Like, Whatever will I do? It's, it's like that. It's, that, it's, me- it's, like that it's like that mean of the walkway. Right there's the there's the walkway there's the gate across the walkway but there's like there's no there's no fence everybody's or nothing. walking around it everybody's walking around it yeah you just, can actually you're see. Like, you just keep keep bumping into the gate that's, that's what or the uh, yeah. um you see the same one with the uh, it's a parking lot and the access road and they got the arm but there's no fence and the tire tracks go around yes. the guardhouse yeah just endlessly around it because everyone's just going in and out like whatever and that's the thing is like you you walk oh. up to it and you go hmm. And then you go over here, and then you go along, and then you come back, and abracadabra, you've gone around the vehicle. It's a half a step for the average human being that they have to move to get around this vehicle. And, and, and even even if, I will say, even if, for whatever reason, the ass end of the car was completely blocking the sidewalk, the boulevard is, you pay for it. But the city can use it whenever they want. You can't force people off of the boulevard. Okay. Um, Go walk around it. Hold on. Give me, give me three paragraphs, guys. Give me three paragraphs. <laughs> I don't know if I want to. In, in addition to the parking situation, the city faulted Martinez for driveway quacks. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the most professional I mean, podcast. I would on also internet, be. I, I would also be concerned about driveway quacks. Like you pull up, <laughs> and, I would be it, like, "There's something seriously wrong with your driveway." I don't know what's going on. I'd be like, "It'd be like the one time the autocorrect is is right." What the duck? I don't mean to alarm you, but I think you may have termite I, ducks. I'm sorry. I, I'd be more worried about driveway honks simply because geese are evil. Geese are assholes. In addition to the driving situation, the city faulted Martinez for driveway cracks that the complaint described as, quote, minor and purely cosmetic. So they're because, not affecting. Just give me. Just, no. Because, <laughs> because, Mar- because Martinez quote did not have the time or money to fix the driveway right away, she was hit with a seventy-five dollar daily fines for two hundred and fifteen days, totaling sixteen thousand one hundred twenty-five dollars, which is far greater than the cost of an entirely new driveway. So the driveway wasn't even non-functional. It's not like it was riddled with potholes like the street she probably it's fucking so lives on. Regular wear and tear on a yes. driveway had occurred. Hold and on. they charged and this hold on. And, 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 then, and, for, and, and Florida, hang on. So Florida forbids in its constitution forbids yeah. these Ex- excessive, excessive fines. Yeah. And they hold, think hold they're going to Hold that thought, hold that thought. And then there was the fence. 
because it was down by a major storm, the repair was covered by insurance. But the claim took quite a while to process. And meanwhile, Martinez, who could not afford to fix the fence, the delay resulted in $125 daily fines for 379 days, totaling $47,000, or $47,375. Quote, several times the cost of the repair and substantially more than the cost of a completely new fence. You, okay, go ahead. So, a natural disaster happens. A storm rolls through, and a piece of your property is damaged. You have homeowner's insurance for a reason to help you repair these types of things. It, and, and on top of that, like a, a fence that is knocked over isn't high on like the repair list no. of a major storm. No, you, you want roofs, you want destroyed houses, you want a fence. Mr. Guillotine is hungry for tie wins. One more, one more paragraph. One more, one more paragraph. <laughs> It's like it's like half a paragraph, and then there's a quote. So it's like, okay. All told, Martinez is on the hook for $165,250 plus interest. Although she is, quote, now fully in compliance and has, no, uh, and has not any new cases against her, the lawsuit says. The only way she could begin to cover the debt would be by selling her home. But even that option is not feasible because she, quote, would never realize nearly enough profit from the sale of her home to pay both the mortgage and the city's fines. I so the so the money that she is being gouged by this fucking city exceeds the value of her home. So don't worry though, because government, remember, is not in fact the mafia at all. They're definitely not an organized crime syndicate. That happens to be in, you know, the ruling organized crime syndicate. No, no, no. They're doing this for your protection. That is why they're charging someone over over a foot of an overhang from a vehicle and minor cosmetic cracks more than the value of her home. Oh, and a and a fence that was taken that was and knocked a fence. over that was, that that was, was in the process of being fixed. Yes. I, as always, as always, these things get better. I cannot imagine why anyone would wear Hawaiian shirts and advocate for armed revolution. And I weld weld on a bulldozer. Right. Yeah, I can't. I can't even imagine. And as much as Martinez that. might want to escape Lantana and his draconian degrees, decrees, she is stuck where she is. "Quote: Given Sandy's career and current income, she will be unable to move for many years, if ever." The complaint says, "Quote: If she moves, she will owe so much money that she will be unable to start anew anywhere else. She cannot seek a job anywhere not in driving distance of her current home." When she is older, she will not be able to retire at a different residence. The crippling fines she faces trap Sandy in a place she wants to leave. So, first of all, she's imprisoned is, within the city limits because of their draconian fucking yeah, law. This is so. This is this is has Marvin Hemeyer written all over it. Um, <laughs> second of all, there's there's I, there's there's one more paragraph. Uh, well, there's if a few more. Par- there's, there's a, there's a few more paragraphs. There's a few more paragraphs. There's one more paragraph I want to read, and we're gonna have to put out another 
Brandenburg v. Ohio warning before you guys respond. Yes, this is this is not intended okay. to or likely to incite any violent action. Okay. The punishment will continue even after Martinez is dead. While she is currently protected from foreclosure for fines by Florida's homestead exemption, the city can seize the house once she dies. Quote, but for the city's fines against her, Sandy would be unable to pass the home to her children upon her death as long as she continues to pay her mortgage to lawsuit notes. Quote, however, as a result of the fines against her, Sandy's children will not inherit the home. Andrew's about to pop. There's... There is a point that you get to with de- looking at government and looking at its its absurdity and its tyranny and the way that it is just nothing but a giant fucking bully. Nothing but a giant organized crime ring that is bullying people endlessly. And you look at that and there's a point where you stop wanting to argue with them. And decide that there are other courses of action that make far more sense. Oh, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so difficult to read something like this and to be calm and, and precise and accurate in your criticism of local governments. That's because the... There's no yeah. There's no way to. There's no way to justify this. There, I, I don't will... care what convoluted concept of authority you think you have. There is no way to justify this over petty infractions. See? The fact that the punishment will continue even after she is long dead indicates that this goes far and away beyond cruel and unusual punishment. You know, and that's. <laughs> So I will say this, that there is a point that you, that everyone needs to reach. There's an understanding that I think everybody needs to get to, which is that you cannot beat them at their own game. You cannot argue with these people. You cannot reason with these people. They will not listen to you. They don't care. They have enough power to create these fines and then enforce them. And if all you do is argue with them, if all you do is take them to court and sue them endlessly, and she, she will probably win. I mean, she will, with the way the Florida constitution reads, she'll probably win in court. It'll all get thrown out. And basically those laws will be ruled unconstitutional under the federal court system and you know you know the federal uh, constitution and and yeah fine but the fact of the matter is until she wins that she's still putting money out to fight it she's still dealing with it it's still hanging over her head and this isn't the only municipality that's going to do it uh, it's not only going to be in florida it's all over the place again as i mentioned it happened even... here in wisconsin this is a thing that happens endemically and systematically within government and not just in the united states all over the world and you can't argue with them you can't reason with them they don't care what argument or reason you have there is a point where you need to realize there is only one language that they will listen to and it is not going to be your voice 
can't vote. Can't vote your way out of this, you guys. So, no. but uh, uh, at the very bottom, there's a quote from Michael Greenberg. He's a attorney at the Institute for Justice. He says, uh, quote, municipal code enforcement in America is completely out of control. All over the country, hardworking people regularly face financial ruin from daily code enforcement penalties that quickly snowball into tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars. He says, our constitutional protection from excessive fines prohibits precisely this sort of abuse. So, yeah, I mean, that's and Florida is unique in the country with that. Um, the fact that they have the Homestead Act that will not allow you to have your home taken from unpayment <laughs> of taxes or unpayment of fines. Um, and but they have they'll a take specific, it once you die, though. Yeah, once you die, they'll mm-hmm. still take it. But they also have they're they're unique because they also have um, the uh, the constitutional bit that says that it, the fines can't be excessive or unconscionable. Tom. So right. they do at least have that codified in their constitution All where right. it has to withstand that cr- scrutiny, but that doesn't that make doesn't up stop for them that. from doing it. Yeah. All right. We only got about 15 minutes left and I got a, I got like three articles. So we're going to do a quick one on these. All right. Um, two years after reprieve Tampa court orders man back to jail. Uh, Kyle Morin, who was for the last two years worked to build a life after serving decades of prison for the murder he committed at 16, will have to return to jail, a judge said Tuesday morning. Acting on instructions from an appeals court, Hillsbury Circuit Judge Kimberly Fernandez imposed a 40-year sentence and gave Moran 45 days to get his affairs into order. He must turn himself into the jail by April 7th. Uh, Moran, 43, served 24 years in prison for the 1994 shooting death of Manuel Huerta, 73. Uh, he was originally given a life sentence but got out in 2019 on the wings of a series of U.S. and Florida Supreme Court opinions that changed the way criminal justice system treats juvenile defendants. Right, so he was 16 years old when he, when he did this, served 24 years, gets out. Right. Since his release, Moran completed a transitional program through the Abe Brown Ministries and worked through classes at Ready for Work Hillsborough as he sought employment. For more than a year, he has worked in a company installing fire, fire sprinklers in new buildings. He's, he has saved money for a home and wants to get married. Now, as a, now his future appears grim. Hillsborough State Attorney Andrew Warren said Tuesday's hearing that he did not like the outcome but emphasized that his body was bound by the Florida law, which requires a 40-year minimum mandatory penalty for juveniles who commit murder. So now he's got to go back for 16 more years. Yes, after being out for two years. And by the time he gets out, he's going to be 60. And essentially, I mean, you're talking about they, they said that you can't have life sentences for juveniles who commit murder. That's but effectively that's a life a, sentence. That's, a, that's effectively yeah. a life sentence. A 40-year sentence. That's ridiculous. Who, it, yeah, who, who is served by this? Who, because that's the thing, right? They, that's, that is what they argue all the time. That's what status argue is that it's in the best interest of who, of who. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's what they argue is, oh, well, it's in the best interests of, of the society at large. Who is being best served by this? Who is benefiting from this? He did 24 years. He spent eight more years behind bars than he had been alive out of bars mm-hmm. before this happened. He spent 24 years of his life behind bars for 
murdering someone at 16. And I think we can all agree that at 16, you don't necessarily understand the implications of your actions. He was, he was living on the street and, and was desperate. And yeah. So there's a a psychologist actually says, um, where to go, uh, uh, childhood abuse and the circumstances that led Moran to the worst mistake ever made. She heard testimony from a neuropsychologist who said that Moran was, uh, Amendable to rehabilitation and pose no danger to society. And here, I mean, and that's the thing, right? It's, which is what I was saying is no one is served by this. Uh No one benefits from this except the prison industrial complex who have another inmate to add to their roster and get money from the state that's being extorted from the taxpayers for. Um, no, no one else is benefiting from this. This doesn't benefit society in any appreciable way. Society does, in fact, benefit from him being out because he's a productive member of society. He's doing a job. He's doing these things, right? He's clearly a decent guy. He's looking at getting married. There's no, no reason. There is no reason that yeah. anyone can claim that it is beneficial that he go back behind bars. He obviously hasn't done anything bad in two years. He's been a regular, productive, decent member of society, despite all of the problems that ex-cons have when they get out, trying to make their way through the world. He's still managed to do that. And, you know, you're, you're just going to tear all of that away who yeah. is benefiting? His, his sister is quoted as saying it's like throwing a person back in the hospital after they're cured. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, and, so. and to go back to your point, Andrew, about uh, the fact that he was he was 16 when, when he killed the committed the murder. As you said, he didn't, he doesn't at that age, even 16-year-olds don't necessarily understand the gravity of their decisions. Well, he's now 43. I'm pretty sure he understood the gra- he understands now the gravity of the situation from back then. Yeah. And he's oh, doing yeah, he everything he possibly can. Or he was he, yeah, was, mean, he was doing everything he possibly could. <laughs> I mean he was he was he was released and then given 20 years probation. Yeah, 20 years of pro- <laughs> which is absurd. But you know what? It's and that's the thing is if you're but really it, that worried, if you're really that worried about him reoffending, right? If that's really your concern, if that's, oh, well, he might decide. Well, first of all, there's absolutely no evidence that yeah. that will occur. And even if you were worried, he's on probation for 20 fucking years. You're going to be watching him anyway. Piss test him every single day. He'll be fine. Yeah, all right. Jesus. <sighs> all right. New administration rescinds the grazing permit for the Hammonds. Uh, you guys remember the Hammonds, the Hammond Ranch in Oregon? Um, yep. The whole uh, uh, Mowler Wildlife Refuge standoff with Ammon Bundy and those guys—that was at the behest, or not at the behest. It was it was for the benefit of the Hammonds because the Mowler Wildlife Refuge, that office area, was the staging point for all the fish and game and environmental services when they went to the Hammond Ranch. This is this is the the one thing that I see good about this happening is that it's going to wake up all of these conservatives who have been just completely. God, I 
I hope so. Yeah, I mean, they've I just have been my such... doubts on that, but maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe um... it's they, they've just been so pussified for so long, and then now this is happening again, and I can see the anti-government sentiment among it's, the political right waking back up. It's this is this is the federal government, the federal government, dis- dictating who can and cannot use public lands within the confines of a state. Right. Yep. What's the, what's the constitution? What forts, ports, and ten square miles? This yep. is a long way from a from a port. There are no forts there, and uh, they already have their ten square miles in Washington D.C. Yep. So, but uh, senior advisor of the U.S. Department of Interior on Friday rescinded the January decision by former Interior Secretary David Bernhardt to grant the Hammond Ranches a ten-year grazing permit and the directed. The Bureau of Land Management to further consider the matter. Uh, the maneuver came as Congress was moving to confirm President Joe Biden's pick of Deb Holland as the new Interior Secretary, and followed a day after four environmental advocacy groups filed a federal lawsuit to block the grazing permits from the Hammonds. It also came just just a day before the cattle were expected to be turned out on the more than twenty six thousand acres of public lands neighboring the Maurer Wildlife Refuge. Uh, 45 to 70 miles south of Burns. Again, you can't play their game and mm-hmm. expect to beat them. So, nope. So, just another chapter in the book. So, all right. I mean, last... this is the well, and remember, you know, to, to anybody who might have forgotten that the, the wildlife refuge occupation came on the heels of the Bundy Ranch. Uh, standoff and all of that that was that was this this kind of uprising that was occurring where people were really starting to get so sick and tired of the BLM that they were willing to take up arms and point them at them to make them back off and then of course you know in the wake of all of that Ammon Bundy gets you know, all that stuff happens and, and um, uh, what's his face gets assassinated. Lavoy. Um, yeah. Lavoy Finnecombe gets assassinated. Um, the, you know, and, and uh, the guy who was up on the bridge, who was famously photographed aiming that gun, you know, he winds up going to prison and yeah, things. Uh, EJ Parker. Yeah. So you like that, that all happens immediately after that. And then, you know, Trump takes office and that whole psyop occurs. That was the Trump administration and the I love that I said that from day one and all these people. Oh, no, it's not a psyop. And he'll get a second term. And No, it's a psyop. It's just going to be long enough to convince you to calm down and start trying to go through the system again. And then we'll be right back where we were before. That's what's happening. You need to wake the hell up and look at what happened. Oh, my gosh. Who could have possibly predicted that all of this was going to occur? Gosh, maybe it was me. So, you know, but now we're seeing this again where we're going back to this, where all of a sudden now they're revoking all these permits and things as soon as the new administration takes power. Um. Uh, federal land management. Okay, the federal government owns fifty three point zero three percent of Oregon's total land mass. They own more than half of the state of Oregon. Yes. Yeah, the federal government. Well, I mean, Nevada. Don't they own like ninety percent of that state? It's like ninety two percent. Yeah. And Wyoming. And Wyoming. Oh yeah, there's a. Let's see, I can find the map. 
Oh, the map um, is just, if you look at that map that highlights like how much is federal land, it is insane. The single largest landowner in the United States is the federal government. That is, even if you believe in the Constitution, that flies in the face of the spirit of the Constitution. Well, like Jason said, let's see. Ports, ports, and 10 square miles. Uh, I don't know how good that's going to come up. But yeah, there's the map. All the red is the federal owned land. So you don't got to deal with it a whole lot back east. But here in the West, like it's, it's state of state of Nevada. It's like it's like the state of Nevada. It's it's everything but like Highway 80. Yeah, I was gonna. Which say. is funny because they own that too. <laughs> yeah, well, the yeah. highway itself they own, but everything. Yeah, well, I mean, then, it's and then there's there's the there's the Reno area, and the and Vegas then, area, and the, and the Vegas area, and then everything else is red. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing too is it's. I mean, entire states are basically owned by the federal government. This flies in the face of everything that was supposed to be. Oh, but the Commerce Clause, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine if the Founding Fathers saw that? Because remember, they're they're getting rid of, they're throwing oh, they'd off be, of. Oh, they would be throwing more than tea into the water. Oh, yeah, they're, they're but they're, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, as they do the, they do the, uh, the, American Revolution, they're throwing off the yoke of, of European nobility and European, um, you know, governments. Yeah. And part of the thing that, you know, that that is a hallmark of, of European nobility is like the king's woods. Right. And, yep. and the king's land and the king owns it, which means you can't hunt there and without a special permit. Like you have to be granted permission by the king yep. in order to hunt on this land. And this is literally what this is. Mm-hmm. You it's, cannot this... hunt or graze here yeah. without permission of the king. Right. And this this all ties back. This this is this all ties back to the 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 fines for you know parking on your own property that you can't live in in on your own land an rv it's it's it all it's the same it's all property rights right i mean these are these are public lands right which means that they should be open to the public but it's not open to the public if it's the federal government's control of these lands or the local government's control of these lands right there you you don't there are no property rights in this country under the current system that we have yeah that you don't own anything that. not a damn no. thing and if you have if you have to pay taxes on it, it you're renting it number one so if right. you have to register it you're using it at the permission of the government well, yeah and you look at you look at the only people the only people who can get out of a lot of that cycle are the ultra ultra rich who can afford to hide their yep. assets they can yep. afford mm-hmm to you know to protect their assets in ways that keep them from being seized and keep you know yep. keep these problems from happening and this the is only, yeah. the we, only way goes... the average person has of of doing that is you know how we started the episode off i mean the branch <laughs> Which, davidians and but yeah. then look what happened to them yeah you can't even just disappear into the woods and be like <laughs> fine then i'm gonna go do you have a permit for that campfire? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go live in the woods and build my own house and live away from everybody because I don't want to have to deal with any of this crap. Because then they send Lon Horiuchi to go set up a, with a fucking sniper rifle on the next mountain over to blow oh. your wife's head off. Shoot your wife in the face while she's holding her infant daughter. 
Yeah. Yep. And you can't go into the desert of Texas and set up in the scrubland out there and try and get away from them because then they surround your house and burn 82, you know, burn 75 people and shoot another. They drove, they drove a tank through the fucking building. Yeah. yeah. They suffocated a bunch of people with tear gas and then set the tear gas on fire. <laughs> they drove a tank through the building. <laughs> after they had already they did all of that oh. after they had already tried a full frontal assault shooting shooting their way through the house yeah they had orbited the building with a helicopter firing at random <laughs> through the roof you know you know why they called the standoff because the government ran out of ammunition yeah yeah this is this is this is what happens if you try. See, and this is why, like, I mean, I know that, like, like Jason, I know you're a big fan of agorism, right? But this is why I point out that it doesn't fucking work. It's it's helps, but it's not the answer. Yeah, because you can't right. you can't just ignore them. They won't no. let. No, they won't <laughs> let you. They will no. come for their pound <laughs> no. of flesh. It's, it, uh... You can't. You, okay. The more you, you can't, and the more you, you ignore them, the harder yeah. they come. You can't vote your way out of this. No. Right. You can't. <laughs> you can't fight, talk your way out of it. You can't talk your way out of this because they deplatform you. So there goes the yeah. ballot box and the soapbox. <laughs> you can't sue your way out of it in courts. Oh, because the courts are on there. The you're state. gonna ask. You're gonna ask the government to protect you from, from the, the actions government. of the government. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no, I don't care what you, what you say about the secession, about, um, uh, the, the sovereign citizens movement. There's no magic words you can say in the court. That's not the way it works. No. You can't bedazzle them with bullshit, but, and you can't, and the, and the jury box, the jury box isn't going to help you. Well, yeah, that's what I was saying with the court is, so your soapbox is gone. Cause they'll take that away from you. Mm-hmm. Jury box is gone because the courts work for the state and they're going to find in favor of the state. You're never going to win. Uh, and not only that, but even if you took it to an actual jury trial where you had your peers deciding the case instead of the court, <laughs> you would that most of them are going to be handpicked <laughs> yeah, yeah. by the state anyway. Well, and you're talking about peers who have spent 12 years at least being indoctrinated more, by the state. In the, more yeah. than that, because statism starts at home. Yeah, right. Yes. I mean, little little kids before they go to school, they see their parents standing for the anthem. They see the flags waving. They see Uncle Joe in his cool army uniform. They see the flags on the fire truck on the Fourth of July parade. They see their parents with the hat in hand for the anthem at the ball game. That starts before school. It is a multi generational indoctrination program. Yep. Yep. No, oh, and that's. So- you you can't so you can't win in a, in the jury with the jury. The ballot boxes thinking that you're going to win that way is laughable. Nope. It's obviously that doesn't it's work. A, as we've illustrated several times on this podcast, the ballot box is the illusion of choice. So that last box we're not going to talk about because we've run out of time. And there uh, is <laughs> there is another. <laughs> there is another box, but we're there not going to talk more. about that box because those boxes don't exist in Minecraft. So throw out your plugs. Let's uh, let's hear the plugs real quick while we got like a minute and change. 
right, be sure that you, uh, if you want a luxurious beard like I have, that you check out thebeardstruggle.com and use code inkedanarchist15. That is inked anarchist 15 all run together at checkout to save yourself 15% off of your purchase. Their stuff is awesome. It makes your beard incredibly soft and it is great. They even have a beard straightener if you are so inclined. Uh, and don't forget to check out Poppins patches and, uh, they have all sorts of cool stuff, including the Boogalorian t-shirt that I'm wearing. They also have the Edda Netty. Uh, boogaloo shirt uh, patch that Jason has there. They have the uh, Thrawn's Laboratory patch that I will be giving away. They have a General Grievous patch that I'll be giving away shortly. They have the Trump uh, <laughs> election is kind of sus. Well, it's kind of sus, yeah. That's a cute patch. Uh, <laughs> patch as well. They have a ton of cool patches. The f- famous Boogaloo shark patch uh, that I have is also one of Dave's uh, from Poppins Patches. Yeah, you just said the B word. Now we're getting demonetized. Oh, well. <laughs> we're not oh, monetized darn. in the first goddamn place. Oh, darn. But yeah, they check them out. Uh, lots of cool stuff. Definitely worth a checkout. Don't forget, even though she's not on tonight, don't forget to buy Derek's book. Think for yourself. Critical Pretty thinking back. for beginners. I actually just ordered for uh, my own boss's kid this book because she was complaining about her not being able to critical think uh, the last site <laughs> visit she had. And I was like, hey, I got the perfect book. I'll go ahead and order one. Next time I see you, I'll give you one. So I totally ordered a copy of that book for my boss's kid. Uh <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so so and check out check out Road to Autonomy magazine. That is RTAMagazine.com. Um, Dharma is doing a fantastic job with that. The most recent article or most recent episode just came out and they have big plans in the future. I was talking to her today. They got some behind the scenes stuff that is happening that will help uh, make that magazine explode uh, with some cool advertisers. They just got it for Bitcoin Cash. Right? I mean, legit. Right? Getting legit. So, yep. On that note, think for right. yourself, people. All rights are property rights. Yes. Oh. And then, uh, <laughs> remember which boxes you have left. <laughs> Brandenburg v. Ohio, 1969, <laughs> which ruled that the. <laughs> we'll catch you on the next one. Check you later. Peace. Peace.